Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. I hope that you are all well today and that wherever you are in the world, there's a little bit of peace, a little bit of happiness being sprinkled your way. Now, there's a lot to be said about living in the moment. As the old Sufi saying goes, we are all children of the moment. The only real thing that we have is this present time now. The past is somewhere where we can really only walk in our memories, never with our footsteps. And the future really is something that is an uncharted territory. So to have this presence that we all can aspire to is to actually enjoy this present moment in all its fullness and glory. If we are too concerned about what has gone behind us or waits for us, we will always be on this bridge of sadness. So the most important thing, I think, especially in these times, what it has taught us is that it's important to stay with grace in this moment, enjoy the beauty, take everything that we can, because time is so fleeting. And I am especially grateful for today's guest. I have the absolute pleasure of the company of the renowned Dr. Voice, who is Anthony Wade. He is so inspirational, as you are going to hear, and I'm so excited, really, to have him here today. For the past three decades, Anthony has helped a renowned amount of people to find their voice. He is the famed vocal coach who has trained a diverse range of TV personalities, pop stars, politicians, business leaders, international football managers, to name but a few. And he's nicknamed Dr. Voice, which Anthony will tell us why, as Anthony's passion lies in helping people use their vocal cords to maximum impact, whether that be through singing or speaking. He has recently coached Grammy Award winner Sam Smith, and one of his current pupils is the voice winner, Jermaine Jackman. He's absolutely no ordinary singing vocal trainer, but he's an expert in removing the mental blocks, preventing people 
reaching their ultimate life goals. He's really very mystical, I have to say, and um, very, very good at his job. So today he shares his absolutely incredible story and his wonderful journey. Welcome, Anthony. Hello there, and hello everyone listening. Hello. I'm very pleased to have you on here, I have to say. I'm very honoured. Well, Mimi, it's uh, very nice to have you have asked me because um, it's always nice to be able to share uh, amongst different communities and so many different people in the world that really, truly um, need to connect, really. I mean, it's a connection, isn't it? This is what your podcast is, is to connect. And um, we're here to feel a connection because um, otherwise, uh, I think God or life or, or whatever you want to call it would have given us our own planet each, but it didn't. It stuck us on this big blue ball <laughs> and put us all together so that we can share something. Indeed, and somehow we're all sort of hurtling around in space together. And um, this is the beauty of it, is that as much as we are all different, there is something profoundly and intrinsically connected uh, in all of us that brings us together here. Now, you have had an incredible life. Not only that, you help people have an incredible life. And I want to take it back to the beginning, really, Anthony, in sharing with us all where it all began. Um, probably in my childhood, I didn't have a, a particularly pleasant upbringing. Uh, my mother had problems, and as a child, I suffered quite uh, dearly, me and my brothers, um, in, in our attempts to live this life. You know, when there's not a lot of understanding uh, about human nature, which it wasn't in the time that I was around in the 50s, the late 50s, uh, as a child, you you know, it, it was a different different era, a different experience. And so for me, I, I, I decided I've got to get out of here with my family and that I felt cooped up even though my father was a great empresario he he was in, he was responsible for bringing the Beatles to Chatham in Kent because he was a, a he had a big bingo hall or a big a ballroom that he put all the people in you know lots of stars came there over the years and as a little boy I was able to you know set the drums up for Ringo backstage and wow like that and then, and of course my uncle was around he's not my real uncle but he lived with us on many occasions was Ronnie Verrill, who's uh, uh, Britain's top jazz drummer. He drummed with Tom Jones for years. He took me along to watch Tom Jones record It's Not Unusual. So I was in the studio at the age of uh, 14 watching, turning the pages of my <laughs> book uh, as he's reading the, uh, the drumming to Tom Jones singing It's Not Unusual. So that was a great uh, um, uh, start for me in music that I thought, oh, isn't music incredible, you know? And look at all these people. And I was starstruck by a lot of the people, my father and my brother, who became a, uh, he was in Jesus Christ Superstar. He was uh, managed by Robert Stigwood, who, who did Saturday Night Fever and owned Polydor Records and was the manager of the Bee Gees. So all these things are going on around me as mm. a child. And, and, and yet 
uh, I, I didn't know where I fit, you know. So I decided at 17 to hop it. So I, did, I went to Australia on the 10-pound assisted passage and uh, found myself on my way to a different country to try and explore who I am. Because one of the things I felt as a child due to the suppression was I was totally into wanting to know what God was. What is God? What is this thing? And it was presented to me in a religious instruction lesson at school. You know, oh. Jesus and the Bible and God. And, and for me, uh, I, I, would, I become hell-bent on that and I become a nutter for it. In, in fact, I used to run around my house at the age of 12 with mm. a Bible saying, Devil's out! <laughs> because I... <laughs> Because I was so religiously inclined, and 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 then that took me to Australia, and I really truly didn't uh, have this real experience of being happy, and 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 it wasn't until I was on the boat that I I met this young beautiful pretty lady. I was about seventeen; she was about nineteen twenty, mm-hmm. and she was. The, the the duchess of the boat everybody called her the duchess because she was so stunningly beautiful and apparently she liked me and we we ended up having a romance on the boat and it was like oh my god and but she kept secret she didn't want her dad to know so she would uh, her, her dad was always away from us in first class somewhere and so i i um i was asked while on that boat would i like to get up and sing and I thought, well, here's a chance for me to show off. <laughs> this is great. So I'm going to show off to the, the princess and, uh, and the duchess and her dad. Mm. Um, 2,000 people in the audience. So I went in my cabin to learn this song off, I Dreamed a Dream. And when I opened my mouth to sing, out come this sound. I thought, what? That is... I sounded like Chewbacca. <laughs> this is something out of Star Wars. What am I, I can't sing. And I was shocked because having been brought up in a musical family and all, having all that exposure, I, was, I can't sing. Why can't I sing? And it was like, the guy came out, the purser on the ship, he said, you still got to get up. I said, I can't sing. He said, doesn't matter. Get up. But I can't sing. He said, get up. So I stood in front of the audience, as you can imagine, and I stood there as the music started and everyone was in fits. Uh, the Duchess's head went down. Uh, uh, Dad turned to her as if to say, see, I told you he's an idiot. Um, I then went to my cabin for the next five days of the journey and hid myself. No. In shame and embarrassment, I didn't realize how powerful that experience of being uh, negated by an audience could be damaging to my self-esteem and to my persona. I was completely devastated, totally intimidated. I thought, why do I feel this? It was was a total non-acceptance from everyone. And then... that hit me that I can't sing. So when I hit Australia, the shores of Australia, I, my first job was bending metal in a factory. 
and uh, the princess went on her way. I later found out she was the her father owned the shipping line we were on and sold a building for some, uh, a building in London, a security building in London for seventy million dollars. Uh, so uh, you know she was very well to do. She never told me that. Um, but anyway, so there I am reading that in in the Auckland Times that her dad owned, Helen. Mm. Gay comes home, and there's a picture on the boat blowing some candles out on her birthday, which is the night she came down to me. And, and it was like, oh my god, I didn't even know this girl was a millionaireess. So mm. I then went on, and then I got this uh, um, Par Avon airmail from my brother. Tone, check out the Bee Gees are in Perth. I've just been on tour with them. He says, uh, ring them up, uh, they know you're there. So I thought, okay, so Morris Gibb was his connection. So I phoned the <laughs> hotel up, and Morris Gibb answered the phone to the room, and he said, hello, Morris Gibb. I said, uh, 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 Anthony. Oh, where are you, Anthony? We're sending a limo around. I thought, what? So <laughs> next minute, I'm sitting in this hotel room. Uh, I can't tell him my uh, Ben Midland the factory. It was too embarrassing. At, at 20 years old, I was now about 21. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to Morris uh, um, for a while in his room, and all of a sudden he went into this space where he just sat and unfolded his whole entire life to me. He must have been, we must have been there at least 16 hours. And it was just like unfolding, telling me about his loss of Lulu and what he went through. And, da -da. and as he's unfolding this story to me... Mm. I'm beginning to realise I've said nothing and I'm just quiet and listening, which of course is the, the, the role now I realise later on in life, because I did become one, the role of a therapist. Yes. And he completely unravelled and he got up at the end of the talk because we had to go to bed and get on and he said to me oh, you have no idea what you've done for me you have no idea what you've helped me i've never i've been on tour I've, I've done this i've done i've never had anybody in front of me to do this you've just listened to everything anthony what can i do for you i'll do anything what can i do for you and i'm thinking oh my god oh, no 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 it's all right i was just listening and he said no 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 he said this is very very monumental what you've done and i'm I, i'm so grateful i know what i know what a surprise i thought okay next day mm. he invites me on stage in front of thirty-three thousand people at Subaco oval to sing with them <laughs> of course i am now packing death Yes, yeah. I'm thinking, nah, I'm staying alive, staying alive. Yes. I mean, God <laughs> almighty, I mean, I don't know about staying alive. I mean, I'm going to be dead. And, and, and of course, they're up there, and I'm in terribly embarrassed. So, luckily, I was able to turn the microphone off and then mime, you know. And, 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 well, that was very, very clever of you oh you not clever darling it's called desperation <laughs> <laughs> and of course when i got off the stage there were hmm. thousands and thousands of kids lining up to take my autograph they thought i was one of the Bee Gees. so oh. there i'm signing autographs back to the limousine with them 
They mm. all get in the limousine, I get in last, and of course I'm turning around signing autographs. And the Bee Gees are laughing at me because they know that I'm not in the Bee Gees, but they say, oh, yeah. well, done, well done, Anthony, you know. Right. Um, and off I drove. And it was like uh, the next day, I was, uh, uh, the Monday morning, I was back at work, bending metal in the factory. You can imagine. And, and it's like a guy came up to me and he said to me, uh, oh, mate, did you see the Bee Gees on telly last night? Did you see him? They took over the whole of Perth the weekend. Did you see it? I, uh, and I'm standing there looking at this guy thinking, what can I say to this guy? He said, look, I've got a photo of Barry Gibb getting in the limousine. And he showed me this photo and there's the back head of my head getting in the limousine. <laughs> How could I tell this guy that it was that it was me? I couldn't. So I said, "Yeah, okay." And it was that that ate me up. And that night, I went back to that hotel. Mm. Left Perth, and Mungo Jerry was in the hotel, and with a guy called Phil Silvers, who's well known for Sergeant Bilko, and um, and they were all on tour. And Mungo Jerry came over to me, and he said to me. You're in the Bee Gees, aren't you? I said, uh, uh, no. Said, yeah, but I saw you on stage, man. I said, you were brilliant. I said, no, no, no. I'm not really, I mean, I was faking it. I said, I'm just a Morris Gibbs. And he, he asked me up. And he said, do you sing? I said, no. He said, well, I've got a song out at the moment. In the summertime when the world... Yes. Yeah. So I said, okay. Uh, and he says, that's number one. And I was a carpenter six months ago. Why don't you take up music? Why don't you do it? Why don't you sing? I sat there and I listened to him and then I went off and I thought, right, why can't I sing? Mm. So I went on this journey and I had 10 singing teachers over a period of five years in my attempts to learn to sing and no one, not one of them could help me. And every one of them would say to me this, please give it up. It's not natural. You can't do it. You're not going to pull it off. You're, you're not a natural singer. You can't sing. It's over and done. And I went, uh, okay. So I went off very disheartened, and I thought, no, I'm not going to have this. So I practiced and practiced, and I, I learned things from libraries and tried things myself, and, and then I started to develop my own techniques. And then I realized that every singing teacher, every vocal coach on the planet and or every star that's up there singing, they all had quite natural singing abilities. Some didn't. And we, we you know, like the Pogues or Bob, Bob Dylan, you know, mm. but they, they were artists in their own right. But, but singers, real singers were talented from a very young age. And the singing teachers could sing very well when they were about nine or ten. So they're all bobbing up and down on the ocean of the voice, you see. And I'm looking at all these people bobbing up and down on the ocean of the voice who can sing, who are all great, who are all prodigies, and I wasn't. So I dived to the bottom of the ocean and I found some pearls. And I built a ladder. And on this ladder, each rung of that ladder was this technique, that technique. By the time I get to the fourth, fifth ladder, I see there's a rung missing in someone like Adele. When I heard her sing, I could mm. tell she was going to lose her voice in nine months. 
So I immediately went on to her management and said, look, she's going to lose her voice in nine months. They said, mind your own business. You don't know what you're talking about. She's got a vocal coach. Thank you very much. Okay. Nine months to that day, she mm. lost her voice. And then I realized I had insights and perceptions of the voice that general singing teachers and vocal coaches have not explored. Uh, so they didn't go to the depth of the ocean of this. Mm. And, and, and it was then I realized when I took Sam Smith on that mm -hmm. a young boy came in the studio and it was more his attitude and the way he thought that was blocking his progress and he couldn't hit, hit certain notes. Because the reason why you can't hit a certain note or the reason why you can't, don't feel comfortable about your voice, it's not got anything to do with your voice. It's got everything to do with you. So what I attack is the person. I go to you, who you are, because it's you that sings. And it's you, therefore, that have to be in the right position and place inside yourself in order to sing. And so then I realized I had this skill and ability to remove people's blocks because we develop but I've, I mean I've got great singers that come to me I mean great singers who really can sing well uh, mm. yet they have this problem they keep getting the notes they keep, the voice keeps going they keep, and it's got nothing to do with the voice it's got something to do with the way they think or the way what's going on in their subconscious so I realised what I'm doing with people is I'm not just working with the voice I'm working with who they are and removing their internal blocks their subconscious blocks to their own progress and this is what i did with sam and sam uh, uh, and it was extraordinary to see him uh, go off and, and and make the fame that he did because he had this thing he want, I, I said do a dream board i asked him to do a dream board you know and, mm. he, and he did this dream board with a picture of him with beyonce on stage somewhere in o2 or wherever it was anyway five years later here he is on my phone four years later hi doc can't believe it i'm with uh, uh um with um what's her name beyonce at, at, at the madison square gardens four years later you know and it's like you you think a person mm. and they focus and then i realized when you focus on what you want to see happen for you in your life and you mean business and you do the right clearing you clear the blocks you clear the fears you clear the iniquities you clear the past you clear the subconscious you start to get a free focused run at what you want to do and you have more of a chance of creating that in your life than if you didn't do that sort of work on yourself and then i realized there i was in rome at the Palazzo della Sport in 15,000 people in front of me mm -hmm. and Michael Bolton had just been on and there I am singing on stage at the Albert Hall uh, Sydney Opera House and saying where's those 10 singing teachers now with my fingers up in the air where wow. in singing teachers now because i then realized i developed my own technique my own ability to sing and i've uh, you know and since then i've been releasing voices what an incredible story i have to say and i'm as i said to you i'm really fascinated with it anthony and tell us more about this because everybody thinks it's about developing the voice 
But no one really has ever said that I ever heard that it's actually about developing, in effect, that person. And that's what I'd like to know a little bit more about these blockages, because I've seen a lot of the stuff that you have done and there's, there have been people on there that really can hardly speak. There was a lady, um, for the listeners out there, who really had difficulty in speaking. And after session with Anthony, she could speak clearly again. That's what interests me. How do you do that without revealing, obviously, your secrets? But... What is that all about? Well, it's not a secret. It's simple. Um, you see, this woman in particular, talking about nine years, she's been a teacher and she can't phone eight. She can't. And she's like that all the time. And she's doing this. And she had four laryngologists, three speech therapists, and two singing teachers over a period of nine years in her attempts to try and get her to phone eight to make sound. And she couldn't do it. And so when she came into my studio, I, I listened intently to her. And then I listened. As I was listening, I could see this has got nothing to do with the vocal cords at all and 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 it was something to do with the psychology of her thinking and when i discovered with her through questioning mm. that uh she uh, this happened after her grandmother died her right voice, okay her voice went I then went into that with her and, and, and helped her express the emotion of that. As soon as she released the emotion of that, then I gave her these techniques, which are specific techniques which get the chords to come together in a particular way. And she did this, and the voice started to phone eight perfectly. And she said to me, oh my God. How long did that take, Anthony? That took an hour. Just amazing. You know, and I've had quite a few people since then. And I've mm. had some very high-powered singers uh, uh, come to me who've uh, been singing for nine years on tour around the world, mm. and, you know, and they've been told they've got the nodes and they're never going to sing again and, you know, give up singing now while you can, da 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 and all this. And apparently um, uh, this woman, this girl, she came to me and... She's gone back to her four laryngologists. She says, look, I'm singing every day because I've been to Dr. Voice. You know, and the reason is, I mean, that's why I call myself Dr. Voice. You say, mm. uh, what, why do I call myself Dr. Voice? It's because I have the insight or the ability to listen to someone's voice and I intuitively pick up what's happened to you in your life. Because do in, you really? How do you, how, for example? No, because in, example. in your larynx, in your mm. larynx, uh, the cerebral cortex is one of the major parts of informing the larynx what to do, how to be, which is part of your nervous system, is part of your your inner self. Uh, mm -hmm. So, look, at, I, I'll give you an example of this. I gave a talk to a room of 99, about 90 to 100 people. They were all uh, um, what you call them, occupational therapists, looking yeah. after really uh, really young children and i asked them the question 
Do you ever, any of you, and most of them were women there, and I asked them because it was a woman's event, and um, do, do any of you get any of your children to stand up to speak out loud when they read? Do you get them to read a book? Do you get them to do this in front of each other? And a lot of them say no, because we have to deal with them individually, and we haven't done, and we don't. I said, well... Let me explain one thing. If you were able to take one of those children, four or five, who could just started to read, six, seven years old, whatever, you will enable that child to feel their larynx vibrate out of their mouth as, as they're looking around the room and everyone's listening to that sound that comes out of their body. And their cerebral cortex opens up like a blooming flower. And what they do, they feel this extraordinary feeling Two things. One is utter fear, intrepidation, uh, ashamed, not sure. But the other is this extraordinary feeling of gusto, strength and determination that enters them at that point. And from that point, that person can go off and become a very confident extrovert or uh, a speaker or a leader or or something quite extraordinary in their persona. Now, if you don't do that, you're shutting that down in people. Now, I don't mind because I've got lots of people come to me, I've been working for the bank for 30 years, and for some reason I sound like this. You know, and it's like, okay, great. You know, I've got lots of them coming to me who have these problems. I wouldn't have a business if we didn't have people like that. But, but there's something very powerful about the larynx and its memory within the cerebral cortex at the back of your brain that connects this feeling of confidence to who you are. Is, would you say, Anthony, I've always thought this, would you say that our voice is really the music of our soul? Because for me, I'm very much into voices. And it seems a little bit sort of strange maybe, but if I like the voice of a person, I usually get on with that person very well. And vice versa. If I don't, I don't get on with them. There's something that resonates from them that I pick up in their voice. Okay, well, there's two things happening there. Right. In my opinion, if you mm-hmm. want my opinion. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, you're getting on with them. It's got nothing to do with the voice. Right. You're de- getting on with them is your concept. Because you're a voice person, aren't you? You use your voice a lot and you're a voice mm-hmm. artist and do many things. So what you've quite naturally done, you've assumed with the understanding of the voice and how it works and everything like you do, uh, uh, have now put connotations on the voice and therefore given your, if you like, not uh, ability to perceive, but uh, more project than perceive. And the, I say that because... Every single human being, it doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter what they phonate like, what their sound is, have the most extraordinary gift of life beyond their voice. Yes. And that is the place 
that uh, I tend to work from and want to work from because otherwise I wouldn't be able to get someone who can't phonate and get them to phonate. I wouldn't be able to get someone who can't make a sound and get them to make a sound. Mm. But, uh, so I cannot possibly enter into the, any concepts or beliefs about their persona because their voice is like this. Uh, I'm not going to get on with them because I have to because I'm a, if they're my client, I have to go beyond that and go to the center of who they really are. And in the center of who they really are, which is beyond voice, is this other experience that's going on inside that person that I relate to that brings out the power of the voice and brings out who they are more. Um, does that make sense? I don't know whether... Yeah, absolutely it makes sense. Yeah. And the fact that you are actually able to do that and have the ability in a way to read energy of that person whatever it is maybe the life force of that person i think is a incredible gift because unless you are able to really connect with that i don't know i don't think there's an ability within any form of therapy as such or any type of work like this to make huge transformational changes unless, as you say, we look at the person, who it really is in, in the core of that, the essence of that person. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, what you're saying, and it's true what you're saying is, it's, it's not about anything external. Mm. It's everything about the person. Well, look, look at a nurse. When a nurse mm -hmm. is in a hospital and she's nursing someone, she couldn't give a damn if that person's this sort of person, that sort of person, got this sort of person, this, that. They're, yeah. they're, to want to, they're, they're in the caring profession. They want to bring out the best healing they can. And even though they might not be in, in, in administering it necessarily, but they, they're in that profession because that's what they feel they want to do. And, and in a way... I have had the experience of knowing inside myself that every person, every single person, I don't care who you are, I don't care whether you're a murderer, or this, I don't care what you've done, I don't care about that, I don't look at that, but every person that has breath in their body is a human being and belongs to the infinite, belongs to this extraordinary thing called life. How dare I judge them, get in the way of them, or make me make them feel anything other than accepted? What a beautiful thing to say and what a beautiful job you do. Because in a way, how I look at it, what you do, and this is just obviously from my perspective, Anthony, is that you are giving life to their voice, which in turn is giving life to their spirit of who they are. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a simple, see, for me, you're oh. saying, oh, what a gift, and oh, the gift. And, <laughs> and like, it is, though, I, it is. It has to be recognized. Well, no, look, okay, we can say Sinatra had a gift. You know, let's look at Frank Sinatra, and you ask Sinatra, you say to him, Frank, you're so gifted, you're the voice on the planet, come fly with me, you know, you've got the most amazing voice. Mm. You sit there and go, what are you talking about, gift? 
Now, when you have done eight years, 348 days a year for eight years solid, singing in every nightclub and club all over America for eight years solid, you've got to get good at something, haven't you? And, and in a way, it's like that. It's because I've had thousands and thousands of larynxes in front of me, thousands of people in front of me over the years who couldn't phonate. And the fact that I couldn't phonate, I couldn't sing at all. Mm. Terrible, you know, and it's like, well, that's why I can take deaf people, I can take people with cerebral palsy and get them to sing beyond their wildest imagination because I've gone to the depth of the ocean in my inabilities and found through that ladder things, coping mechanisms, strategies, techniques, uh, vocal things to do for someone to hold on to, which actually pulls them out of the mess and gets them to where they need to go. So that's all it is. It's because of the extensive time spent with so many people. You know, when a person comes into me and I hear them sing, mm. uh, uh, when lots of people come and I hear them all sing, people say, people actually feel, people say, well, oh, I'm just doing it for them. No, I'm do- I've done it for so many people that when that one person's in front of me, I can see, mm, that won't work, that technique I've done this week with these other people. This will, though, because they're thinking and feeling this way. So I'm able to take how they feel, who they are, and get them to do something that is different. And out comes this voice. Out comes this beautiful singing ability. You know, I had recently a, a young man from Lion King uh, 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 and come in, and he, and when he sang, Amazing Grace, and it was really powerful and it was really up there and, I, and it was like I mean it was an amazing voice there's no doubt about it but but I could feel he wasn't being with himself he wasn't being who he really is and I said can I just hold up for a minute would you just do this for me go hmm. nun, 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 nun. just do that what I said just do that nun nun can you do that and he went okay and he did that and after about half an hour of me tuning him into that Mm. i said now can you feel something and in the end he was like he could feel i said it's like a cello can you feel that it's like a violin he went yes and i said that's who you are in there now love that and then sing he burst into tears wow i've never heard myself sing like this in my life and for 10 years of singing in the lion king so you know it's like um and it doesn't matter who you are I mean, I've always said this if Celine Dion coming to me tomorrow I will mm. show her a technique to get her singing a note she never dreamt she could get <laughs> because uh, you know she doesn't she's not got thousands of larynxes in front of her or, or done the work that I've done in terms of uncovering that mystery if you like if you, as you call it but it's not mm. just a clear perception for me because I've spent a lot of time in that area mm. Mm. Now, I know also, Anthony, that um, you have spent a lot of time with a lot of different people and teaching a lot of different people. What is, if there is, a thread 
that runs through everyone because we were talking about this earlier before you know we came and started doing the podcast about people wanting to sing and I said to you as far as every single person that I've ever met has always said to me I would love to be a singer yeah okay so here's what's interesting first this this track back a little bit mm. of what you were just saying a moment about the, the what I do and my talent, all this stuff. Mm. When it comes down to it, uh, and, and, and I'm going to unveil this now to you because I think it's very interesting. It's very powerful because you've vo voiced it already. And I, I want to really capitalize on what you said earlier. Mm -hmm. Here it is. It was like uh, I was asked to go on a TV show called uh, All Together Now, and I was a judge on that show for BBC with Jerry Hannawell and, you know, uh, Rob Beckett, the comedian. And, and before I went on the TV show, um, they interviewed me, Shine TV, who made the program, interviewed me. So I'm sitting there with Endemol, the head of Endemol, sitting there, all these top producers. And I said, uh, what's the biggest thing you've ever done in your life, Dr. Voice? What would you say your highest achievement is? And I sat there and I thought about it and I thought I could go through so many things. You conducted the Philharmonic Orchestra, written music for television, this and that. So many things I could re recite to him. But I thought, hang on, wait a minute. What's the biggest thing I have truly have achieved? And I said, you really want to know the answer to that question? And they said, yeah. I think what I've achieved is the ability to accrue nothing but unconditional love for every single person that sits in front of me. Meaning I have no agenda, I have no ulterior motive, only the, the fact that I want to take them to a place perhaps they've never been before or are familiar with or want to expand upon and that I have the skills to do that. That's what I feel I've achieved. And, and, and basically, based on that feeling, is when I look at what you were saying just then, uh, that why is that? Why is that uh, so an innate in me? Is because the time accrued and also the perception of why do people want to sing? Why mm. do we want to do this? Now, why is there 38 television programs worldwide, primetime television, Everywhere in every country from Germany, Britain's got talent, to Australia's got talent, they're, they're everywhere. The voice in America, the voice everywhere. Every country, even Africa, in the jungle, you'll find they've got the TV on and they're watching primetime television before the COVID, of course. But primetime television would be the voice. Britain's got talent or, or some uh, other country's got talent. It doesn't matter what it was. It was all about the voice. There was no program on, on, on uh, how to become a, a lawyer. There's no program on how to become anything else other mm. primetime television singing mm. why and most of the kids that come to me now and there are 15 16 year olds or even nine or ten their parents bring them to me the reason why they all want to learn to sing is because they're waddling their, in their little nappies in front of the x factor when they were little kids and they were just like taken in by the fact that someone's on stage being able to express themselves and what does a child want to do it wants to express itself and what does the child in any of us want to do it wants to express itself so guess what 
The first thing that ever happened to you, Mimi, or me, or any human being listening to this today, and I, I hope you go with me on one of the techniques I'll show you. On the, mm. the first thing that ever happened to any of us is we took a breath. <gasps> In. And then the second most powerful thing was our voice. Wah! 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 Right? Mm-hmm. They're the two most powerful, significant things that happen to us in our coming into this life in a human body. It's a very powerful moment. Now, what happens, we grow up and we distance ourselves from that sound based on conditioning. And we look at other characters around us, parents, significant others, whoever, and we try to emulate or create an identity of our own character by learning from our parents or people around us. So what we tend to do is mimic and copy the sound of everyone else around us. By doing that, we create this persona and identity based on all the people we've listened to and not on our own voice. So what happens is someone will confront you when you're an adult and you go red in the face. You feel embarrassed. You're mm. embarrassed. Why are you embarrassed? Because you've just realized what you've said to them is in not in your true voice, is in someone else's voice. You've copied another identity, not who you really are. And, and we carry this persona, this image of who we think we are and project that to the world. But when we say, wait... Where am, where am I? Where is the sound in me? And we start to feel that in ourselves. That's nothing like your mum or dad. It's nothing like anyone else but you. Now, why is it so important then that people want to sing or express themselves is this reason? And I found out recently, Mimi, I found this out recently. I had a very profound experience from this. Mm-hmm. And it's a spiritual thing that happened to me. But I sat down and I looked out and I looked at everything as a vibration. Every single thing in this universe is vibrating. It's the brain of God or life is the brain. It's an omnipresent, omniscient brain. It doesn't stop. It creates suns, sets here. It creates stars there. And just go to Hawaii and pick up a rock and you see this funny thing run out with one eye looking at you. I mean, what the hell is that creature? You know, it's like this brain, this incredible nature that is completely creating consistently from the brain of God, the brain of this universe, the brain of life itself is pushing into every single thing that's alive and it's all vibrant the sun the sea the human beings crying and being born it's phenomenal brain this thing is doing this universe i ask the question Mm. if this is its brain what's its heart and then it hit me the vibration of sound is the heart of the universe, is the heart of God. 
Why is it if this planet ended tomorrow and a Martian came by from another planet and they'd open up a satellite and as soon as they open that satellite up, yeah, there'd be TV, there'd be this, there'd be computers, but what would they hear? They would hear Hitler. Yes, fine, Spiegel. They would hear, I have a dream. They'd hear the Beatles. They'd hear Michael Jackson. They'd hear Elvis Presley. Why would they be hearing this in this spaceship? Why? Because it's the only representation of what did we sound like? Who were we? That's why the voice matters. Because the voice in us is attached to the universal power. Now, here's a sound for you, okay? Mm -hmm. This is called the central sound beam. Now, I didn't take a breath in to do that, and I didn't push it. I just let it go. Inside your body, there's a sound which is attached to who you really are. I just emulated that then. If you go up in a spaceship tomorrow, and you yeah. are able to put your ears outside the spaceship, you'll hear the earth spinning, and it'll be going, making that very sound. C, the healing vibration of C, right? Now, this is just absolutely phenomenal. But this is the heart of God. Now, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm smiling as you're talking and there is a resonance of truth, of beauty. Um, it's everything it's the celestial it's the human it's the animal it, it's the core and the essence of everything in existence absolutely is in the sound yes now here's what's interesting if you if you were to uh, and it's a vibration <clears throat> if you had a caveman yeah caveman in a room and he's on the walls this big painting of thousands and millions of people in an audience and on the stage it will have a picture of someone with a microphone with a light behind them now the caveman's looking at all these thousands of people and the caveman's looking at this one person isolated on the stage with a light behind them with a microphone in their hand it's a picture to him he's never seen it before now, that could be a picture of Beyonce or Sam Smith on that stage. But he looks at the audience, he looks at the person on the stage, and he points to the person on the stage in his ugg-ugg voice, and he goes, Oh, that's a god. That's a god. Why would he do that? Because that one person is making sound and affecting the vibrational quality of everyone in that audience. Yes. That's why we all want to sing. Because we all want to be in vibration, in harmony with our own essence. That's why we want to be expressive. So we can feel our own energy in our tones. Speak, share, give. 
you know it's an extraordinary thing that we can even make sound two vocal cords vibrating together with air your vocal cords will not work without air wait for it what do we mean air breath wait for it what do we mean breath breath hits the vocal cords they vibrate sound comes forth this is the human being's connection to itself in being able to hear itself to realize itself to understand itself is through the vibration that it gives through its vocal cords from the air which maybe i said at the beginning the take a breath in and the voice goes wah like a baby there you are there you have it the breath then the voice now what's incredible about this breath and the voice is this the breath in you is the most extraordinary power on earth because that's what makes voice work now life says to us this you took a breath you're here one day you will expel a breath and you will no longer be here i'm something to do with that dummy wake up to your breathing mechanism wake up to the sound in you now i'd like everybody to do this at home who's who, 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 who possibly can do this right now i'm going to take you a little bit into a breathing mechanism within yourself so you can feel this breath inside you and what i want you to do i want you to put your tongue on the roof of your mouth backwards at the roof of the mouth where the palate is uh -huh. just breathe in with your through your nose so you're breathing through your nose you'll feel as you breathe in through your nose only with the tongue on the roof of your mouth is quite tight in fact you'll find your stomach may expand or your ribs may expand something may happen down there now what we're going to get you to do is now open the mouth and put the tongue on the roof of the mouth and breathe in through your nasal passages only with the mouth open but don't breathe in through the mouth breathing through the nose only so allow the air to escape through the nostrils and then i want you to imagine your belly in front of you i want you to see your belly look down at your belly and put a plunger on it i want you to put a plunger like you get from the sink and i want you to pull the belly forward as you breathe in through your nostrils only tongue on the roof of the mouth mouth open and fill the air fill up your belly only so here we go blow the air out your body first put on the 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 the, the 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 sucker on your belly that plunger pull it forward tongue on the roof of the mouth mouth open suck the air in through the nose quietly and feel the air escape down the nostrils into the belly so the actual air is going straight from nostrils straight to belly nothing in the way blow the air out again pull the plunger forward air going in through the nasal tongue on the roof of the mouth mouth open please now you'll feel your belly filling up now what you may be experiencing 
is when your mouth is open and you breathe in through your nasal passages, it's like a backdraft. You've got the back door open and you've got the window open at the same time. The air goes through easily into the stomach. If you shut your mouth and breathe in through your nasal passages only, it's tight. It's not as free. So breathing through the nasal, tongue on the roof of the mouth, mouth open, pull the plunger out as the air goes in. Stomach comes out. Filling up that belly with oxygen. Now, as you're doing this, I challenge any one of you listening, any one of you listening, if you are able to do this 20 times every hour of the day, by the end of the week, it would have transformed your life. You would be seeing things differently. You would be feeling different experiences in your body. Your understanding of yourself will change. Your perception of things will change. And you'll be feeling so much more clearer and alive in who you are. And how often should one try this, Anthony? If you did this 20 times... 20 times. Every hour. Every hour for so one put, week. Put, put your phone on. Do, 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 do. Oh, do me 20 breaths. Pull your stomach out with the plunger and fill up that stomach up. And I'd be very interested to hear results from people who are listening. If you want to try this, and, and please re, uh, come back to Mimi and, 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 and feedback to me that, that what's happened for you and how it's working and if it does work, uh, what's going on. And, and now this is connected to something else, and this is what I'm really excited about because the breath is the source. The breath is the, the surfboard, Right. Uh, sorry, the, the waves are the, the breath. The surfboard is the voice that rides on the waves of this life. And for us to stand on that surfboard, knowing the waves are behind us, we can make sound and do extraordinary things with our voices. And this is what's exciting. Now, in the Bible, I've, I've read this. I think most of you have been involved in religion in any way, shape, or form, or just at church, or if you do, go, or if you do believe. It's, you know, uh, I don't have any concepts about this. Just very simple. It's written in the Bible. Here it is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. And then Jesus came and he took the word and he spread the word of God. Now, just freeze frame for a moment. I might have got that quote wrong, but more or less it's there. In the beginning was the word. Now, here's what's interesting. Christians and most believers believe the word of God is the Bible, is the information that is being spread by Jesus and by the Bible. It's the information. That information in the Bible is the Word of God. I recently discovered from a friend of mine who is a, a linguist uh, professor and found out that the name Word, when it was printed in the Bible many years ago, when it was written, first written, the name Word, I think it's about 3,000 years old, I don't know, but the name word means breath. 
goodness me. So, in the beginning was the breath. And the breath was God, and the breath is God. And Jesus came to spread the breath of God. Now, I was so fascinated by this that I went further into the scriptures. I got a real hog on it. And I found Job before Jesus, 2,500 years ago, in Moses' day. Job says this. Now, please listen to this, everyone, because you're not going to believe what I just shared with you in the breathing. Job says this. As long as there is breath in my body and the spirit of God is in my nostrils, am I enlivened? Wow. That blew me away. And I've been teaching this breathing for 30 odd years not realizing what I'm teaching. <laughs> and, it, it, it's and, amazing. And this is why people change. When mm. you say, how do you get people to change? Well, I attach them to their breathing, attach them to their voice, and all of a sudden they connect to something else in them they've never bothered to do or didn't know what to do or didn't know how to do, and therefore they start perceiving life and perception of who they are in a totally different light. Would you say, in a way, Anthony, you're connecting them back to God or their awareness of God? Um, yes, because God is in everything. So God is in the breath, God is in the voice. Of course, we're always connecting to God. When you eat food, you're connecting to God. What is God? You know, it's like uh, you, you, we speak of God as if it's like this, oh, this thing that comes out of the clouds. You know, God is energy. Generator, operator, destroyer. G-O-D. It generates, it operates, it destroys. That's what the energy is. God is energy. That's all it is. And Einstein and all the great uh, uh, scientists will tell you the same truth, that this energy is kinetic energy. It's very powerful. And here's the interesting thing. Oh, I didn't share this with you. I'd like to, uh, and, uh, uh, if I may. Have we got time? Of course. Yes, yes, of course. I was watching a tele television program on the universe. Mm -hmm. And listen to this. This is really nice. I like this. And I sat there watching this program. I was enthralled by the, the information of the sun. This amazing sun that's up there. Now, if we look at the sun, it's spitting out fire like big firewalls. When we were children, we would draw a picture of the sun. We put a little star, jagged star around it, remember? Yes, so, yes. Yeah. Well, mm. that jagged star, so natural for us to do that, isn't it? And yet, that jagged bit that comes out, when the cameras go in, the scientists today, go in with the cameras, you see a whiplash of fire coming from the sun Millions of times all over the sun, non-stop. A whiplash of fire coming out, right? That whiplash comes at 200 miles. It covers one whiplash, and there's millions of them a second being done, right? Each whiplash is equivalent to 10,000 atom bombs going off. 
Now, you think about Hiroshima, that one bomb, what that did. There's 10,000 of them going off in every whiplash of that sun as it projects outwards. And it's got a million degrees in the center of the sun, million degrees, that is burning like lava. And that is caused by hydrogen and sonic waves, phonic waves. There's this phonic waves that hits the hydrogen that creates the explosion, rather like what an atomic bomb does anyway, and the sun bursts into a million degrees and is constantly effervescent, pushing out that energy, giving life. And then I heard the scientists say, we believe what moves the sonic phonic energy towards the hydrogen to make this happen uh-huh. is sound. And when I had a pupil come in to me the other day, bless her, she said to me, I was singing in my pu- next door neighbor knocked on the door and I thought she was going to tell me off and I was only doing some exercises. And I said to her, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing some exercises. She says, no, please don't. She said, it's bringing the sunshine out in me. Oh, <laughs> how lovely. My goodness. Did you see, which I'm sure you have, Anthony, how... I'm fascinated with this amazing world and the amazing worlds that we are yet to know. I mean, especially the worlds within us. But the the planet and all the planets have a certain sound and a different sound. Yeah. It's a symphony. It's like a celestial symphony. Yeah, but it comes from the one sound. Yes, indeed. actually inside wait for it every single breath you take in and out that one sound that infinite spark that Mm. infinite piece of dust is in every breath that enters and leaves your body and i believe we're in a human body only for this time we, Mm. we have this human body and it's our chance to discover that infinite part in us. I believe that too. I believe it. Last year I had one one of those epiphany moments and um, I was working on some of my albums and then all of a sudden I had this moment. It was very strange. I don't know if you've ever experienced this and I suddenly felt like there is no separation I am a human being, but actually, this is just a vessel. God is in every single one of us and in every single breath, in every single movement. Therefore, there is no separation. We are as one. And in a way, although it was glorious, it also was a little bit scary mm. because I suddenly had this shift, Anthony, in perception of, oh my goodness, this is who we are. None of us are separate. We are all one. God is in everything. The breath that we are given is his breath. 
everything we do is actually the movement of him. And it was one of those really surreal moments when you actually glimpse infinity just for the blink of a second, mm. you know, mm. and your life can't ever be the same. No. The fear you mm. speak of yes. is based on not knowing, yeah. not, not associating enough with. So you have 750 breaths in an hour. I know because I've counted them approximately. Everyone has 750 breaths in an hour. Mm. How many are we conscious of? How many do we feel enter and leave us with appreciation and gratitude that it's doing so? And that is making friends with the infinite. And therefore, that will remove all fear. Also, and, and how do you do that? How, how would you? I just shared it with you. 20 yes, people times. will say, people will, okay. You can 20 do times <laughs> every hour will, is a start. <laughs> and, and would you do that for one week to try it? Listen, I, I did it for 10 years, eight hours a day when I was in an ashram. I mean, the thing is, when you, when you connect with this breathing mechanism, which is, which is really who you really are, that's mm -hmm. going on inside you, when you connect with that, uh, you start realizing that um, that you don't want to be separate from it, and and so what happens? You build a momentum, but it takes great practice and focus. I've just asked someone. I've just asked all you people listening now who are ever listening uh, to do twenty times every hour. Uh, not many of you will be able to cope with that. It takes great practice. It's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You won't remember. Uh, you know, people just don't remember. And the reason why we won't remember is because the mind in us, our mind, is very powerful. It's very fast. It, don't think of the color red. What do you go and do? You know, uh, you know, it's so subtle. The mind is so fast and so subtle. It's running out every day. That's why, you know, we get distracted so quickly. Did you know that the distraction in a human being about 30 years ago was recorded? And it takes, it was 20 minutes, I think. It take, we have the ability to focus for 20 minutes and no more. That's about 30 years ago. And, and, and they measured also that of a goldfish at that time, 30 years ago. How long does a goldfish uh, uh, stay mesmerized for? Seven seconds. You know, that's all a goldfish can do, right? They've measured recently, scientifically proved, that now our attention, today, 30 years later, you have a guess, Mimi, how long we're able to uh, focus for? 30 seconds. Less than the goldfish. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. And, and so when I ask you to be with your breath, uh, watch the challenge that goes on. Um, so, and, and here's the problem. The mind is an absence. 
mind is absence of love. And, 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 and when the mind is, is playing with you, it takes you to the subconscious. And your subconscious puts you in a courtroom and it says to you, oh, you're no good at this. Oh, you're no good at that. Oh, no, look, your honor. Look, and, and tries to put you away. It takes you to court and has all this evidence on you. And you're sitting there, the victim, in the dock, thinking, oh, my God, it's true, though. I am like that. And if you sit there and agree with it, you've just bought yourself a, a, a prison sentence. So, because this subconscious mind is consistently trying to take you to court. Now, if you sit in the dock yes. and you say to it, hang on, wait a minute, Your Honor, I disagree. And you put your arm up to the judge. Now, because you've spoken, the conscious mind is spoken, the subconscious isn't allowed to say a thing. And the judge says, yes. And the subconscious might try and say something. The judge shut it up. Shut up. Mm. Mm. Yes. What do you want to say? It's not true. What they're saying is not true. I don't believe this. I don't believe that. I've moved on. I've changed. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And as soon as you do that, the judge goes, case dismissed. Bangs the hammer. Because you've taken control with your conscious mind. Now, the root of everyone's problem is we don't take control of our conscious mind. Our subconscious is running our life and keeps putting us into court with this evidence and that evidence and this evidence. And we believe it. And the problem is with the believing this thing, this very same thing is the same thing that says, go on, have that cake. It's got cream on. It's really nice. And then you eat it. And then the same thing says, to you, what do you eat that for? Now you feel sick. <laughs> this is your best friend hmm. this is running our lives so when you start now the only thing that's more powerful than your mind this is incredible because your mind is one notch down from being omnipotent omnipresent it's a powerful force you can't control your mind it's like trying to get in a ring with Mike Tyson you're not going to win hmm. it would beat the hell out of you However, because it's too subtle, it's like trying to tie a rope up, uh, an elephant up with a, with a piece of cotton. He's just going to pull away, you know, trying to tie an ant up with a large rope. It won't. You can't. The mind is too powerful. But there's one thing more powerful than the mind and therefore is more subtler than the mind and has the power to control the mind and the mind has to sit in the corner like a naughty little boy and shut the hell up and that is your breath your breath is more subtle and more attuned to who you are than the mind is so when you're with your breath and you follow your breath the mind has to go bye bye that's very powerful advice and very powerful wisdom. And, you know, when we were doing the exercise earlier, Anthony, and the two different things, one with the mouth closed yeah, and one with the mouth open, yeah. for me, I felt very suppressed with the mouth closed. Yeah. And there was a sort of feeling of wanting to be free as soon as we did the exercise with the mouth open, it somehow made me feel part of the energy of the room, of the energy of the road. I felt free. 
Yes. That's like, as I said, the back door being open as the window at the same yes. time. You've got a yeah. back draft going through. Now, why tongue on the roof of the mouth? Because when you were a baby, mm-hmm. when you were born, when you come out of the womb, you are actually, you've got your tongue on the roof of your mouth. And the doctors go, oh, dear. And they pull it out because they think you're going to choke. Thanks, mm. Doc. Thank you very much, Doctor. You have now taught me to breathe auxiliary breathing not deep diaphragmic breathing for the rest of my life and you see when you breathe shallow most people breathe shallow anybody listening to this now if you're not got your tongue on the roof of your mouth and you're not breathing into your nasal passages i will guarantee you are breathing shallow which means shallow breathing is creating more stress in you more thinking more judgment you know, you'll be sitting there, oh, this guy, I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I think it's a load of old rubbish. Oh, blah, blah. All sorts of things will be coming up in your mind. But if you were still enough, long enough, and stayed with your breathing mechanism, you would start to feel something in yourself, and you would be able to listen and absorb something which may be truthful to you or not. And you could, you know, I'm not, I'm not the all-cure American roadshow. I'm not going around doing this. This is something I've been asked on a podcast to share a bit of my, my truth and experience. And, you know, albeit whatever it is for you, if it's useful, great. You know, it, it, it's not about, oh, no, oh, you've got to believe in what I say and da-da-da-da. No, it's a simple thing. You breathe in and out. I've just discovered from my own years of practicing that by breathing in and out in a right way, in a way that's more useful to me, is and shuts my mind up. As it comes in a little story, just a very quick story. This guy goes to India and he, he, he sees this saint and the saint says to him, uh, don't touch lamp. And he said, no, I want to touch this lamp. No, don't touch lamp. This Indian guy. And he, and he says, <laughs> and this guy rubs the lamp and the saint runs off. As he rubs the lamp, this, this big genie comes out and it says, give me something to do or I'll eat you up. And he says, oh, loads of cars. In a moment, a thousand cars were there. Every make in the world. Mm. Give me something to do, I'll eat you up. Loads of food, banquet of food. He couldn't even have time to put it in his mouth. And they, give me something to do, I'll eat you up. Loads of women, castles, houses. And it didn't matter what it was. Within 30 seconds, this guy is ready to be eaten by this thing. He's sort of everything he can. He couldn't think of anything else. So he turned around to the saint, came back. He says, Say, what do I do? He said, I told you not touch lamp. He says, what do I do? Tell genie. One more request. Tell Jeannie to go up and down the pole until you tell him to stop. And then you're free of Jeannie. Put him on the pole until you tell him to stop. So you put the uh, Jeannie on the pole. Then the moral of this story is this. The breath is the pole. The Jeannie is your mind. Oh, my goodness. You know, I feel like I'm in a thousand and one Arabian nights now. I've just done that <laughs> journey with you, you know. <laughs> I really do. And, you know, you end it with a genie, of course. Um, I don't know. This has been an absolute experience of my life, I have to say, Anthony, because you have, in an hour or so, encapsulated you know, so many secrets of life that I'm sure I will take away with me and the listeners as well. Because 
it's been beautifully put. And I'm really, really grateful to you for coming on today. And I'm going to try that exercise. You know, I, I'm going to try three days. I'm going to be realistic. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm going to try it. I really am. Starting from tonight, I will try it. And I'm going to let you know how I get on after three yes, days. Please. Because it was so different. That difference in feeling so oppressed to feeling free enough as if lifting to fly and becoming part of everything was so profound. Well, here's the thing. Let's look at it scientifically and simply, mm. uh, not too mystical and ah, or, or religious looking. Let's. Let's look at it very simply mm. and scientifically. I gave a talk to a room full of doctors not so long ago, and I mm. said to the doctors, what's the biggest killer on the planet? And they all put their hands up. Everybody was ang- uh, you know, anxious to tell me. I said, well, what's the biggest killer on the planet? They said, stress. Stress, thank you. Stress where? Uh, stress in your mental self? So, no, stress everywhere. Stress in your organs. Stress. I said, would it be fair enough to say, gentlemen, that stress is a chemical? And they all looked around, looked at each other, and come back to me, yes. I said, so it's a chemical reaction in the body that goes through the bloodstream. They said, yes, it is a chemical. Right. Did you know that this stress chemical, this, this thing called stress is a chemical, and actually is going around our body and is there because of one reason, because we auxiliary breathe. Now, auxiliary breathing means you breathe to the top of your chest, means you just walk and talk and think and look. Go to Victoria Station, go to any airport, see people running around, looking at their watches. They're all auxiliary breathing. They're not conscious of their breath at all. So what anxiety breathing means to me is you're just automatically breathing. Now, any scientist or any doctor or anybody in the world will sit in front of you, say, yeah, that's natural. What, you're trying to be some hokey-pokey thing? This is natural. Yes, it is natural. But let me tell you, when you anxiety breathe most of the time, you are in stress most of the time. Now, there's a chemical in your body called stress, and this chemical, which goes around the body, depletes the organs, fills the hospitals up. Now, during the COVID, I shared this with my ex-wife, who's a nurse, and I've got to do this breathing I showed you today. Uh, I'll share with you all today. And she's a nurse, and she said one of the biggest killers of COVID, that she people pass away in front of her, is that when she does the SATs in their body, which is the saturation of oxygen, there is no oxygen in their body at all. They can't understand it. Now, here's the deal. When you auxiliary breathe, yes, there will be no oxygen in your body. Right now, if you're listening to me, auxiliary breathing, meaning you're not consciously breathing, you will be auxiliary breathing. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's a toxin in your body called stress. There's another toxin in your body worse than stress. And I said this to the doctors. And this toxin is more powerful than the stress toxin. And it can annihilate all other toxins in your body, including the toxin stress. Is that correct? And all the doctors are sitting there. And one doctor put his hand up. I said, yes. He said, oxygen. I said, thank you. The chemical oxygen... Mm. has power to annihilate the chemical stress in your body. 
That's why when you're having a baby, breathe. That's why when someone's just lost their arm in a car accident and his arm's on the other side of the road and he's looking at it, what do they get him to do? Breathe. Intuitively, we all know that's where we need to go. But you see, if we're not doing it, I hate the word religiously, but if we're not doing it focused daily, Mm -hmm. we will be in stress. It's excellent, excellent advice. And really, it has had a huge impact on me, Anthony, this whole breath thing. I'm very pleased. (laughs) No, really, truly, it has, because it's something that about, oh, when I was 18 years old, I woke up one morning and um, I couldn't move. And I'd had a viral attack. So I couldn't move and then I couldn't walk for a year and it took another year for me to learn how to walk. But it wasn't just that. It was this excruciating pain of being flayed alive and electric and all sorts of feelings going through my body. That's all I could feel. That was the only thing I could feel. And the only thing that I discovered is the power of breath. Mm. That was the only thing that I could use I couldn't take any anti-inflammatories, no drugs, nothing, because I was allergic to them. The only thing that I discovered was the power of breath at that point to actually subside this pain, to regain my sanity enough to be able to learn to walk again, to overcome this pain. And even though that has left me with lasting effects to this day, pain-wise, the only way that I can get through it is actually by focusing and totally focusing on my breath. So well, what you're saying really resonates with me deeply. Well, let me end at this point with a statement, if I may, if there's no questions you want to ask me. but um, And it's a talk that I gave in Mayfair recently. Mm. And, and it was very real for me when I said it in front of this audience. And I said it with such passion, um, I hope it comes across now, that I have a love. I have the most extraordinary, amazing love. I actually have the greatest love of all. This love that I have is greater than any love I could taste, experience, or be involved in anywhere in my life. This love is extraordinary. And this love I speak of is the love for my next breath. Because without it, I can't love anybody or anything. Simply beautiful, really divine, in fact. And if we go back to Job, what did he say? Yes. 
and there you are going through all what you went through there and that iniquity where you you couldn't save yourself by doctors or anything around you and and you went into your breath you went into the spirit on your nostrils you went into the, the as long as there's god left in my body and the spirit of god is in my nostrils yes. i'm enlivened there you are absolutely absolutely <laughs> and thank you really anthony for reminding me and hopefully reminding others because that's something that we should never forget and actually we should learn and to be more aware of that beautiful love that exists within us absolutely absolutely beautiful thank you so much for coming well, today thank you, thank you for letting me come on today and I, and i hope everybody had some connection to their breathing today and probably at least got something from it and um yeah and the feedback to mimi it'd be nice to know whether there was any uh, changes or understanding that may have taken place definitely definitely i would love to hear from you but also for people um anthony out there who would like to know more about you and your work how can they contact you where can they look um yellow pages <laughs> does that still exist <laughs> I, i had to say that because i have had calls from the yellow pages funny enough um oh okay um, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I didn't even know that still existed actually. Yeah, it does. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> no, um you can get hold of me on my website really. There's a there's a telephone number there you can call. Uh I think it's on the website. If mm -hmm. not an email definitely you can connect with me on uh, anything that you wish to. So you know, those of you that want a little bit of understanding about the voice or uh, or even a technique if you've got a problem or something, you know, just email me something and I'll tell me you've listened to this podcast with me me and I'll be very happy to assist you with a little bit of advice along the way. Thank you so much. And what's the website address, Anthony? Uh DR Voice, that's Dr Voice, DR mm -hmm. v o i c e dot tv okay so for everybody out there who would like a little bit of a i don't know an adventure i would say into finding your voice or finding your life please do get in touch with dr voice which is anthony wade and i thank you again for gracing us with this beautiful presence of yours anthony and please do come again because there's so much that we can learn from you oh well thank you very much it's it's all sharing sweetheart that's what it's all about learning oh. from each other thank you for being you and, oh, and for you. the opportunity of this podcast it's great that you're doing this sort of thing and um and uh, so many people we all need to connect as much as we can We do indeed we do indeed and hopefully you know somehow firstly as you quite rightly said we first need to connect with ourselves and then we can reach out to everybody else Absolutely absolutely it's all oh. down to <laughs>
<laughs> I wish you all the very best. All right, my love. It's lovely okay, to and um, come again, come again, and um, look, all right, and look after yourself. And you. Be all safe, right. everyone, in this torrid times. Be safe. Oh, all right then. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Anthony Wade. Remarkable story. And what a wise, wise person he is. Wow. The power of the voice and the power of the breath. Thank you so much in joining me today. I hope to see you next time. Until then, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovik.co.uk.